Hey, Jeremy, welcome to the call. Hey, thanks for having me, Lee. I appreciate it. So you've had a lot of experience designing sound for the stage, live theater. How have those skills transferred into doing sound design for podcasts and song tracks and all your other projects? The core of theater, obviously, is storytelling. And it's the same thing with uh, with podcasts, whether it's uh, a fictional podcast or an interview-based podcast like this, like this is. It's all about storytelling, and, and storytelling is all about keeping the audience's interest. You want to lead them somewhere that they either they want to go or that they don't know they want to go, but they'll come along for the ride. Mm. And it's about pacing. It's about musicality. It's about character. It's about making a world for the audience. And in our case, it's making that world with sound. And that's the same thing, whether it's theater or it's film or it's animation or the podcast. It's all about storytelling. We're each in our separate recording studios, although it's going to sound like we're in the same room. And if we added effects, we could sound like we're on a busy street or outside in nature. When we change the ambience of the place, how are you doing it and why do you do it? I guess we'll, we'll talk about media because in a, in a media situation, you have full control over what people hear. When you're in a live situation, you can't erase the acoustics of the room. You can't erase the sound of the, um, you know, the air conditioning system. You can't erase the sound of the guy coughing next to you. You mean like in theater, in a theater? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a live theater. In a live something. theater. Yeah. Okay. You know, a lot of times it's uh, it's about, wow, there's 300 moving lights in this in this theater and they're really loud. So we have to make sure that the whatever we want to do storytelling wise with sound is louder than those moving lights. Mm. You know, in a podcast, film or in any of these media genres, you have full control over what people hear. Like I'll talk about Video Palace just simply because that was the most extensive thing that I've done with this. It was 10, 20 to 30 minute episodes. Every, everything was recorded in the studio, but it was done with this found footage style, meaning that every scene needed to be in a different place. And so I did a variety of things to accomplish that. In the studio, I'll do this now. On the studio, you can get really close to the microphone and it sounds pretty, it can sound pretty boomy. But, and when you get farther away, and I'm getting farther away from the microphone now, that low frequency tends to be minimized. That's just the nature of how microphones generally work. Uh, it's called the proximity effect. We, you get closer to it, it gets more more boomy. And with Video Palace, they actually recorded it and it had no boominess. And so for the podcast narrator scenes, I actually had to create that boominess to make it feel hmm. like it was in a different, feel like it was in a studio or a podcast environment as opposed to uh, out in the field with a handheld recorder. People don't know that's what I did, but they can feel it because it's part of creating the world of the story. Your ears are eyes for sound, right? You, If you look at a picture of a gymnasium and you look at a picture of a bedroom, you know, your brain knows the gymnasium is going to sound different than the bedroom. That's because of the acoustics of the space. It's because of how sound bounces around in there, you know, the, the reverb quality basically of the space. And so on the podcast, whenever, even though we were recorded in the studio, I wanted to create that sort of vision through hearing, mm -hmm. uh, if you will. Um, and so each space I would create a, a custom reverb sound for that room. I'm coming back to this idea of creating the world of the story. 
mm-hmm. and there are just so, there are so many choices. <laughs> yeah, you know, there seems to be a, a quite a lot of decision making and quite a lot of conversation that has to go on with the director or the creator and you to create the world of the story in sound. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of back of the brain thought that happens with these projects. Like you read the script and you think about things, you take your notes, you do all this stuff. And then like while you're sleeping, the back of your brain, the sort of monkey brain is kind of thinking about stuff. I mean, that's, I think that's what all artists do is you kind of, uh, the daydream is a huge part of designing something, you know, when you're not actively thinking about it is sometimes when you do your most creative work, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't rely on, inspiration. You can't rely on the muse sitting on your shoulder, but it sure helps when it, when it happens. Sometimes you just got to get down to work and, and get the work done. Right. You know, but so a lot of it is to having time to ingest the story into your mind's ear and trying to hear the story, trying to hear the pacing, trying to hear the thing that it is before you sit down in front of your computer. Cause your computer is a tool. You know, the computer is where we do all the sound design. It's where we do the editing. It's where we create all these spaces, but it's just a tool. It just does what you tell it to do. What this brings to mind is there's a tremendous richness to this in so many different audio tracks and so many different sounds that people may not even be fully conscious of, you know, that train whistle in the distance or something like that. And then there's also making it sound worse And by that, I mean, uh, this stuff can be recorded in studios, but often you have to make it sound like it's a cell phone with a bad connection or it's Skype. Or we did a scene for Privacy Pod, the show we worked on, which took place in a parking lot. And we added echo and noise and cars and all kinds of stuff in there. We actually made it, quote unquote, worse, which is fascinating to me. And because people don't think about that, we think about, oh, everything has to sound like an announcer voice. But no... It actually has to sound like Skype with a bad connection. It all comes back to storytelling. What we're getting into is we're probably blowing people's minds with <laughs> all the technical things that are possible. I hope not. I hope not. In Privacy Pod, the show we worked on together, we needed the sound of audio cassettes in their cases. And I got you some and I yeah. sent you some audio cassettes so we could do what we call Foley, which is real sounds. Uh, how often do you do that? Well, here's the cassettes you bought me. Yeah, there it is. There it is. There's the there's the cassettes. You didn't record that in the studio. That's something we added in post-production. Uh, it was a guy named Jack Foley in like the teens when they when when talk, uh, talking movies first came out. And I mean this is why we call it Foley is cuz the guy who really invented this whole process was his name was Jack Foley. And and he was like the first person to synchronize sound that was not recorded on the set. And so someone was would be walking across the the frame and he would be there with a set of shoes in the studio on a marble surface or on gravel or on dirt or on carpet or on wood or whatever, you know, with 20 different kinds of shoes, 20 different kinds of materials and watching the film perform the footsteps with close microphones that could be mixed in later. So you don't notice if it's done well, you don't notice Foley, but Foley is in every single thing that you see on TV. It's, it's, you know, every time someone is, you know, rustling their shirt or, you know, picking up a glass or 
putting it down, whatever that is, smoking a cigarette, taking out their keys, all of that stuff, you know, the the, the production sound doesn't pick up the, the keys, but in the in the Foley studio, they'll they'll do the little key sounds so that it reads, so that it tells the story. I come back to your eyes are ears for sound. There was a documentary I was working on that had winter in Russia in 1911. So the footage mm. I had was silent footage of a blizzard. Right. You know, and, and mm. it just wasn't playing. It just was a silent footage of a blizzard. But then when we put in the blizzard sounds, suddenly, you know, the wind and all that, yeah. you saw the blizzard. It was and like you the get sound. cold. <laughs> yeah, and you get cold. Yeah. The sound made you see the footage. Last night I was a thing and they played uh, the opening sequence to one of the Ice Age movies with a, what is it, a squirrel chasing an acorn through snowbanks or whatever. And the first time you played it, it's just like just animation. And it's just, you know, it's kind of boring. And then they added in this just, then they added in the sound effects in there and it became a little more interesting. And then they added in the music and it became like a real event that you followed the character. You know, so a lot of times like you get, the details of the story through watching, but you get the emotional impact and the interest through listening. This is a kind of a funny way to put this, but are you very sensitive to sound? When you're walking around in the world, do you hear something and say, I've got to get that and pull out an audio recorder, <laughs> your iPhone, like a writer might pull out a notebook? So it's a layered question. So when I, when I travel, I tend to travel with, recording equipment, microphones that uh, they're called binaural microphones, basically the little microphones that you stick in your ears. When I go to places, uh, you know, sort of odd places like, you know, Hong Kong and Istanbul and stuff like this, I want to record those environments both as a record of like, hey, if I ever need to know what a market in Istanbul sounds like, I've got a recording of that, Um, as well as potentially to be used in future in future uh, productions. I actually, a few years ago, I went to a high-end uh, audiologist because I, I figured I should know what my ears are doing. I have very good, but not like crazy exceptional hearing. And I even have um, what I call baby-induced hearing loss. You know, <laughs> if you got a, you got a kid sc- you know, crying and screaming in your ears for, for nine months or more, um, it has its effect on your hearing. And, and you can see in my curve, like a little dip at, at 2000 hertz, which is right where... Coleman was screaming at. But so, and so I have kind of normal, good, but normal hearing. But what I've done over my career and I guess my life is train myself to be a good listener. Because hearing just happens. Your ear is always working, it's always sending signals to your brain. It's a matter of are you listening? Because listening is an active thing, hearing is very passive. Listening is active. What do you think has been your best work of the past few years? Right. Well, I mean, I guess I've already talked quite a lot about Video Palace, um, but I, th- I feel like I've already talked about that a lot. The other, the other project I did um, about a year ago, an off-Broadway musical called A Thousand Nights and One Day. It was uh, produced by a Prospect Theater Company. Um, Marissa Mickelson wrote the music and Jason Grote wrote the book. And we had like, you know, like the music director was uh, Kurt Crowley. He's the most, most nights you'll find him conducting the Hamilton Orchestra on Broadway, but he like took two months out of 
Hamilton to work on this thing. It was a, it was a really great experience. I got to work with some phenomenal, phenomenal people and do some fun technological tricks but a lot of times the music department does their thing, the sound department does their thing, and you kind of just try and not get in each other's way. But in this case, it was a real great collaboration between us and between with the music director. Hey, Jeremy, thanks so much for being on the call today. Thanks for having me, Lee. It was a lot of fun. Hey, thanks for having a listen to this mini podcast. And feel free to share this around with your friends. I'm Lee Schneider. See you next week. <laughs>